Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. All right, today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have Leon Fontaine. Uh, Pastor, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be with you, John. It is great to have you here. And, I, you know, I was just telling you beforehand, and people are, this is going to become clear as you listen, uh, as everybody out there listens, what we're going to be talking about today has just been a subtext and a foundation of everything I've experienced as I've recovered and built my, my company of practice. And I think it is one of the most essential pieces out there. So guys, stand by. Leon, you are, you're the senior pastor right now at Springs Church, and it's one of the biggest interdenominational churches actually all the way out in Canada. You have six campuses across two provinces. You're also the CEO of the Miracle Channel, which is Canada's only 24-hour Christian family network. Good for you. We need more of that. Um, host of the Leon Show, which is a daily interview program which airs in 150 countries. And you also regularly write articles in the Winnipeg uh, Sun newspaper, Calgary Sun, and uh, you and your wife have five kids, and they're all serving with you in the ministry. That is fantastic. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, man, it is great to be there. We're going to have a good time talking today. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, Leon, let's get started. I'd love for you to just share about your journey and how you got to where you're at today and what God's called you to in this season. Well, I grew up in a pastor's home. My mom and dad were both pastors in the Pentecostal. Uh, you know, it was an uh, interdenomination with that kind of flow of teaching. Because we've got different denominations. And so I grew up in a great church, loving God's word, loving services, learning to pray with people. And <clears throat> then when I first got out of high school and, and I went in to become a paramedic and my whole life, uh, just got turned around because everything I had in my life was beautiful and amazing and great friends and calm home life and peace and joy. And then I was thrust into this horrible world of rape and abuse and death and dying and body parts. I mean, just on and my heart just cried out. And I said, God, I've seen you work in the church. I've seen you touch hearts physical bodies, do miracles. And now for seven years, God took me on a journey of beginning to pray with people who were dying. And just before they passed away, giving their lives to Christ or praying in emergency situations where God would miraculously save someone or actually heal their body. And miracles we saw where doctors witnessed them and, you know, hearts starting to pump again with the leads still on the chest. And I mean, just incredible miracles. And, And so it's all a long story, but to make a quick story short, then I became a senior pastor. Uh, of a church in the middle of Canada. And I begin, instead of just kind of preaching doctrine and being religious, I begin to teach people how to be alive in Christ as a mom, a business person, a board member, how to be directed by Holy Spirit in your job, how to get God's supernatural power to assist us in all that we do in life. And that's where we got the term begin to be developed, the Spirit. 
sacred contemporary life. Because most people think that all of God's power and, and his presence are for the fivefold ministry, pastors, evangelists, missionaries, apostles, prophets, you know, etc. cetera. Uh, and of course it's for them, but they're supposed to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that business person who's literally trying to keep his business going needs to begin to listen to Holy Spirit and let Holy Spirit guide him through the maze of investments and hiring, decision-making, and all the things, the complexities of living in today's world. Or how about raising a teenager and God guiding and leading us? So this is what this entire book is about, is getting a new look at Christianity and literally desiring to be spirit contemporary. You know, when you think about that, uh, you bring up an interesting point. I think there's a lot of people, you know, they see the work of the Holy Spirit is almost equipping people to work in and grow the church, but that that's not the case, is it? There, there, I think there's a misconception. Would you agree? Oh, there's a huge misconception, and it is the reason that the stats on church growth in Canada and in America are so dismal. Uh, thousands of churches are closing their doors. Although we have mega churches like we've never seen before, the actual rate of people giving their lives to Christ has not increased. Uh, from, and it depends on which stats, I guess, you do, but the ones I'm seeing show us that we're losing, and we're losing the next generation. As, you know, if you begin to teach on just how to be in church, how to worship God in church, uh, all these things. And, and if you, it, it literally is destroying the upcoming generation. And you've hit on it. And that is that literally the fivefold ministry are to be coaches to the actual players, which are the business people, raising kids, uh, politicians, professors. Uh, we are to equip them, and then our world's going to change. But the world doesn't change because a church service gets better. Oh man, isn't that the case? Well, you know, it, you know, and you brought up something in the book too, um, and I'd love for you to share this. It's really about the term Christianity. Right. Christianity's almost become a brand that, in a lot of circles, has a lot of negative connotations. But it should be something that is one of the most powerful and attractive forces on the planet, pulling people into wanting to know what people that have that true relationship with Jesus that are tied into the the Holy Spirit. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, Jesus came to this planet 2,000 years ago to end all religions. Religion is man-made rules, guidelines, and efforts to please God, to get in good with God. And so even you know, every religion out there, whether it's Hinduism or Islam or everyone else's home made up stuff, religion, I, I use it in a negative context, is destroying Christianity. So you're, you're right in that even Christians have become so religious. We think that we are the, uh, you know, the police of a nation for morality. And we think that we can go make people good uh, by, you know, by condemning them or judging them. And really, 
the only sin people are going into eternity without Christ into hell for is not believing and accepting Jesus. And only after they do that do they even have the power to bring change to their lives. And so we're barking up the wrong tree. We're trying to we're trying to Christianize America before we with love reach out to real hurting people and let them experience a relationship with Jesus. We've got it backwards. You know, if I was thinking, you know, look at Jesus's ministry when he was walking on this planet. If he was walking with us here today, you know, based on what you just said in my experience, I think there's a lot of churches that might not even welcome um, Jesus in his ministry today in the present time. Oh, that is so true. He he was drawn towards hurting people, just drawn towards them. And today what we do is we create a church or a movement, and then we isolate ourselves from the real world. So we've become a subculture protecting ourselves from the evils that are out there. But Jesus would go home with the worst thief in the city when he preached. He would literally go talk with drunks and prostitutes. In fact, he was criticized for who he hung with. And so if Jesus was alive today, I, you know, I, of course he would love a church where God is worshiped and things were going on, but yeah. I see the church as a hospital, a mm-hmm. college, and then when we get out into the world, we should be reaching out and, and literally, you know, I'll tell you a story. As I, when I was a paramedic and I began to recognize that I had learned to, to sense Holy Spirit in the order of a service. You know, as we would pray with people, there's times I would sense an encouraging word for people or a word of knowledge. And in the background, we'd have a beautiful band that was playing softly at the end of our services as we would just minister to hurting people, maybe mental illnesses, sickness, divorce, going through horrible things, suicidal. And often you could just sense rising up from just the center of your being, something that you could say to them that you could just sense God was touching them. But now I'm getting out of an ambulance and to an accident scene, and there's no beautiful music. The, the atmosphere is not controlled by ushers, and there's just sirens and people that are crying, and and you know, and police and firemen barking orders as paramedics are trying to maximize survivors. And in that environment, I learned to sense the direction of God mm. and to sense and to move in His power when all the noise that was around me was counterproductive. Now, when you were talking, Leon, you said Holy Spirit versus the Holy Spirit, and I, I would love to know what the distinction there is, because I, I, I heard that when you were talking. Well, what's interesting is that, the, you know, we haven't got time to define, you know, the triune God, but Holy Spirit is not just the presence of God emanating from his throne. Mm-hmm. He's a person. He has, the Bible shows that he has will, emotion. Um, and so if I, I don't say, well, I am now talking to the John Ramstead, uh, you know, and you're talking to the Leon Fontaine. It just sounds awkward in our language. Mm. What gives you personality in language is when I say, John, how are you doing? Hey, I'm Leon. And so I found in my life that when I started talking to Holy Spirit as Holy Spirit, that it personalized for it and actually helped me to begin to sense him, to know him. And it helps so many others who just saw him as some kind of a spiritual blob or some kind of a, uh, a fire, a holy fire or some kind of a cloud. He's a person. Yeah, it's not a theological concept, right? Right. 
Now, now your book, the the Spirit Contemporary Life, and your subtitles, "Unleashing the Miraculous in Your Everyday World." Uh, I'd love for you to share a little bit where that term "spirit contemporary" came from, Leon. Well, I think one of the greatest things that's ever happened to America is the New Age and the spiritual side of. I mean, you it is like everywhere you turn, people will say, "I'm not religious, but mm-hmm. I'm spiritual." And then they'll all say, but I do watch, you know, uh, Joel Olstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there is this cry in people, whether you're looking at Oprah or all these TV shows, there's a sensing that there's a spiritual side to us that we better deal with. And so they are seekers. Now, so there's so many of them that are so far in the ditch, but they're going to realize it because the Bible says, seek and you will find. And so Jesus is the answer. It's just that the church world is presenting him so religiously, stuffily, uh, judgmentally. So when I begin to, in our church, 22 years ago, I begin to take this whole, I didn't know, I didn't call it spirit contemporary, but I just started ministering in a way that made people be relevant, contemporary for where they were, not religious or weird. And so after a while, a friend of mine, I was a church consultant. He, he would come to our church daily and said, this is remarkably unlike I've never seen a church with more miracles, yet you seem to be the coolest, most relevant church. You've got members of parliament and scientists and, and wealthy and poor all coming to the same church. And so he's the one that began to talk to me and say, what should we call this? And so we were, well, it's Holy Spirit and contemporary to everybody. But that was too long. So we, we just <laughs> said, well, let's call it spirit. Let's just take off the holy because we know he's Holy Spirit, uh, but it's called Spirit Contemporary. And uh, and we just found that in our church, like I've got I've got Muslims that come with their imam because they feel so encouraged. I've got people who will look at me and cry and say, I don't believe in Jesus, but I love coming here because I just feel something. And I'm teaching on Jesus. And I'm, so we give people this ability to start this journey. I mean, pre-Christ, even before they believe on him. And it's amazing how after a month or two, they begin to make decisions for Christ. And so the church world often thinks that when someone gets into church, we've got to make them feel bad. We've got to make them feel convicted. Now, the word convicted doesn't mean condemned or guilty. In in the Greek, it just means convinced. Hmm. And so if we don't get someone bawling and squalling at the altar, we don't think it's a genuine salvation. But what I noticed was the people that would come to Jesus a lot of times bawling and squalling and highly emotional. They left the same way when things didn't go good for them in church. But when people listened to me for a month or so, listened to what I had to say, checked it out in their own Bible, would walk through the halls of the church. They often would check me out, my family, my marriage. And when they made a decision for Christ, they were convinced this was the way to go. And so thousands of people begin to come to Christ in a nation like Canada, where it's a nation of little churches. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that we needed to continue this vein. And finally, after 22 years, we just put it in a book and we're stunned at how many denominations and leaders and business people and unsaved people are telling me it's changing their lives. You know, the culture that you've created, uh, you know, in teaching in a way that's just allowing people to come in and learn and make this their own decision. You know, what advice do you give to the leaders in your church, people you talk to that want to have these one-on-one conversations with people in their personal sphere of influence? 
about Jesus, about the Spirit in a way that's that you know allows them to have that time to make it their own decision, but draws them towards something. Yeah, I, you know, I tell them this. I say that we we are supposed to love people, but Christians they they took that word wrong. Um, and so when I go to a business get together and like I run four organizations from television stations to private schools to churches to television uh, ministry stuff. And it all involves millions of dollars, staffing systems, structures, working with boards, lawyers, buying lands, buildings. I mean, it's just so I'm, I'm in the business world my whole life. And I'm amazed how when I'm in a room, I, I know who the Christian is right away because he will walk up to somebody, hi, how are you today? And it's like he's just trying too hard to be loving. Mm. And, and I've, so I've taught our business people, first of all, to love someone is to value them. It doesn't mean act weird, emotional, feminine, uh, just value someone, be a man's man, be a woman's woman. And then when you work for a company, the first thing you need to do to impress them is make money for them, raise up teams for them, put in great systems, make yourself incredibly valuable. And the presence of God on your life will make you an amazing leader. Uh, where, like David, that men were attracted to him, and that was the presence of God on him. Mm-hmm. Elisha that guided kings in warfare, where to send the troops, what to look out for. He knew by the presence of God. Or like Daniel, that you could throw him in lion's dens and he wouldn't break a sweat. He would go to sleep. I mean, this courage, this direction, or the powerful things of God that would, so people will look at us and go, wow, I'm a, that guy's amazing. So then they get opportunities to share their faith. Now, how are we going to do it? Yeah. We, we do it often in a way that we try to make them feel bad about their lives. And so we try to make, and, and, and how I've seen so many trained is to really try to show them that you're a sinner. Well, you know, the word sinner to us simply means they don't know Jesus yet. But the word has been so abused in the real world that if you're talking to an accountant, he thinks you mean that he's stealing from all of his accounts. If you talk to a, you know, a, to a business CEO, he thinks you mean that he's an adulterer or a, a fornicator. And, and so I, I teach people, use words from their world. Put yourself in their shoes and respect them when you talk to them. And so what I do is I just talk, they'll ask me questions, and I just start telling stories about my life and the discouragements and, and how I was searching. And your own story can never be rejected. You, know, you can talk religion, you can talk uh, doctrine, and everyone will have their own opinion. But as you just share, you know, I got to tell you, what changed my marriage and what really touched me at a time when I felt lonely and struggling with finances. And this is what I did. And I'll share Jesus, but not in a way that exaggerates him or makes, but in a way that is just, wow. And it's amazing how everywhere I go, I mean, people come to know Jesus regularly because I'm presenting him uh, not as this you know, you know, here's a men's problem. Most men, when you say Jesus, see a skinny, limp-wristed, long-haired hippie in a dress wearing flip-flops. And uh, <laughs> that's true, isn't it? <laughs> that, that's their view of Jesus. And so, even in the church world, men who we think are filled with the presence of God, they act more feminine. They act so weak and meek that a real man doesn't want to be like that. And so, I ask people. What does Jesus look like today? 
What should a Christian look like today? Well, at Christmas time, we see him as a baby. And when we read the Bible, we see him like a timid little hippie. But in Revelations is what he looks like now. It shows Jesus with eyes like fire. I mean, a sword coming out of his mouth, armor all down his body, this incredible masculine, manly person. And so we need to raise up men who know they can lead nations, that they can lead companies. They can fire people with a smile on their face because they need to do it for the best interests of the company. Their ability to inspire people, equip people, you know, and, and women rising up in a way that is, that, that, so we need a new look at Jesus and what a Christian looks like. Well, thank you for sharing that because, you know, it, since I have recovered through my accident and been able to sh share my story, I think there's some really key elements in here. The first one is, it's really about developing that true relationship, but you do it through telling your own story yeah. about what Jesus has done for you personally in your life. And when you get into that conversation with somebody else, not coming from a place of judgment, but coming from a place of how do I serve them and how do I add value to their life? Because that is what's going to create the relationship. Um, I'll never forget, as I was recovering, Leon, um, I was in a recovery group, and there was a woman in the group who's a very left-wing, hardcore liberal, uh, lesbian woman, and I was able to share. She asked me about my story because I'd shared just a little part of it, and we had an hour-long conversation, and she wrote me uh, a two-page letter after that and said she'd never had a conversation with a, quote, Christian where she actually talked about Jesus, the love of God, and didn't feel judged. And A, I thought that was a little bit sad at first, but I was so thankful for the opportunity to just connect with her at just that, that personal level. And I think that is where the Spirit can really guide us in those conversations to help us um, just communicate and connect with people exactly where they're at. Because if they're not in the kingdom yet, right, it's not our role to judge them at that point. Or, oh. or, or to try to, or, or try to exhort them, or, or try to you know make them change the course that they're on. It, it's that's not our role. Or what are your thoughts on that? Oh, that is so well said. You know, the Bible. Jesus said, "Follow me." and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say cleaners of men. No. He didn't say judgers of men. He said, you just catch them. And so what we teach our business people and our church people is LAF, the mm. key to living a life, raising up a church, a business, a family that allows gods to move is LAF stands for L, love people, or value them, that word means. That, learn to value people. And I think value fits a little bit better uh, with the business world. Yes, we love them, but you mean we're going to kiss them on the cheek or hug them? Well, that doesn't go very well in a lot of business circles. Right. So love them means value them. Truly look at them, respect and value them. And then A means accept them the way they are, as messed up or as perfect, whichever they think they are. Mm. And F is forgive them when they hurt you, because they will. And if you can learn to laugh with people, they will be supernaturally attracted to you. They will want you. They'll like you. Uh, you know, because you're right, there's a ton of things in the Bible that are, give us principles for people to clean up their lives. Like the word sin means mm -hmm. to miss the mark. 
So if what I do is people will talk to me, like I, I, I had the same thing. I had a, a gay guy talking to me one time. We're chatting and laughing. And then I, I said something and right away he got kind of offended. And, and he goes, you're just saying that because I'm gay. And I stopped and I said, you are? I said, actually, when, when I'm t- looking at a guy or talking to a guy, I really don't think through what they do with their sex life. And he looked at me and he started laughing. And I started laughing because it's such a truth. Mm. Like, I just like you as a man. I, I, you are a sharp businessman and I'm enjoying the conversation. Where, why'd you go so far left on this talking about your sex life? Like, I don't care. And I valued him the way he was. And I knew that if he would open his heart to me, then he would, because the Bible says you've got to receive a prophet's reward. You have to receive the prophet, which means to receive a Christian's reward, which is Jesus if a Christian's trying to get Jesus through to somebody, they got to accept you first because you represent him. Jesus, when he went to his hometown, wasn't accepted. And it says he couldn't do any great miracles because of it. Right. So if Jesus grew in favor with God and in favor with man, both of those things we need to grow in favor with. But, you know, on the Pentecostal side that I grew up on, the more a person admitted or said they were filled with the Spirit of God or full of the presence of God or moved by the Spirit of God, whatever they said, the more wacky they became. They would say (laughs) things, they would give people words of knowledge that didn't make sense. Uh, And so in most uh, circles, a business guy who's an accountant, who's built a great reputation in the community and a good name is to be desired more than riches and gold, wouldn't want to be necessarily moved by the Spirit of God because in many churches and circles today, it means you can act wacky, you act crazy, uh, you act religious, you act judgmental, you're weepy, cry, too serious, like all of this stuff. And actually, Holy Spirit is the most contemporary, relevant force on the planet. He knows how to get through to everybody in a way. Because contemporary is different for one person. If I'm talking to a street guy, to be contemporary to him will be different. If I'm talking to an Indian in India, contemporary would be different. If I'm talking to a, um, a member of parliament in the hallways of the parliament buildings, what would contemporary look like there? If I'm talking to a young uh, biker, you know, who I meet at a restaurant when I, when I get off my bike and we start talking. What's con- So contemporary is continually changing and moving with the times or with the person you're talking to. And so to be spiritually alive and empowered is the one side, but to be contemporary. So Holy Spirit guides us in this unique ability to literally get along with anybody we talk to and to be able to impact them for the kingdom of God. This is a crucial thing. If we're going to turn around the the loss of all of our generations to the world, if we're going to have the world look at us and be attracted to us, then we're going to have to stop thinking that in my job, I have to go witness to all 500 other employees, or maybe you should just go make them a few million dollars till the whole place is ready to genuflect in front of you. And then when they ask you to speak at the banquet, you know, share your principles and then just touch on, you know, here's a... Here's a really cool thing that I do when I talk to unsaved guys. Yeah. Uh, if I speak at a business conference where it's not a Christian one, I'll talk about the four Qs. The IQ, which is intelligence quotient. The EQ, which is emotional quotient. The AQ, which is adversity quotient. Lots of books about these three. And so one is your intelligence. One is your ability to get along with people. The other one, the AQ, is your ability to stand strong through adversity. I said one of the keys in my life is the SQ. 
It's the spiritual quotient. It's finding that center. And I'll just start to talk in their terms about spirituality. And always they keep pushing me until they find out who my spiritual core is. <laughs> and then they already so respect the results and the things that I've said that they want to give their lives to him. Now, that is a great example of being contemporary, right? Yes. And so question for you, and I want to circle back to something you said earlier. So how do you or how do you help other people personally you know, almost sense, you know, what the spirit is saying to them or leading them in, in their different situations in life? That's a great question. Well, one of the verses that helped me immensely in the Bible, and I don't have it written down in front of me, but it's where it says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, hmm. all the inward parts of the belly. So our spirit is where God illuminates us, or it's where God gives us clarity. And he, they use candles to light their way on a dark path. Today, we might use a flashlight. So the spirit of man is the flashlight of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So where I teach people, you will sense the nudging of Holy Spirit is in your stomach. It's kind of what we would call a gut feeling. I teach people that when you learn to listen to your gut, now when I talk, start talking this way, all of the great business leaders will tell me, well, I, I go by my gut all the time. I said, I know, because we all have our own spirit that gives us direction. When Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he ramps that up a million times stronger and better. And so if you walk into a Starbucks and as you walk in, you're buying your drink, but one person just stands out to you sitting by themselves, sitting at a table over there, that that person, that this, you get this kind of sensing that, wow, and you don't know why. Well, that's because Holy Spirit's pointing them out to you. Go over and ask him if you can join him for coffee. Just say, hey, you know, I've got anybody to do coffee with you. Mind if I join you? I do that all the time. And I've never had a person turn me down. And when I step out into that first little nudge from Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, one of the times I did it, I ran into a man who was simply sitting by the bedside of a wife who was dying on her last week. Mm. The Starbucks is where he would go to just relax and kind of get a break. And so after talking about sports and hockey for half an hour, I, I just said, hey, dude, you, you know, you're looking, you look pretty down. Everything OK? He looked at me and, he's, you know, his, his lip kind of trembled and got teared up. And he said, man, it's, I don't need to burden you with my stuff. I said, no, tell me, tell me. He said, my wife's dying just down the road. And I just, this is my break away from her bed. They don't say she'll make it. They can't do anything for her. And, and often when I'm talking with somebody, if I don't get a real sense of sharing more, I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you'll start talking to somebody and when you get done talking, you look back, man, did I ever share that well? You could just sense the flow. Other times I don't sense. And so I just, we talked for a while and I said, you know, I go to a church. I didn't even tell him I was on television, that I was the senior pastor. I just said, I go to a pretty amazing church where we love to pray for people. I said, would you mind if I got your wife's name? And I just added her to the list. That touched him so deeply, he had to turn so that no one could see his tears. Because when someone's going through something, any kindness just touches them. Mm-hmm. He said, would you? And he gave me her name. Now, that's all that happened. Ah, a couple months later or weeks and weeks later, happened to be in that same Starbucks and I saw the guy. He says, hey, hey, Leon, come here, come here. And I walked over. You're never going to guess what's going to happen. I said, what happened? He says, I went back to sit with my wife and they came to say they'd like to do a couple more tests. And 
where they came back and said, you know, actually, now we think we could do something else for your wife. And they began a course of treatment. And wow. Started snapping around and and to make a long story short, she was already home with him, and they said this thing was in remission. It was going away. Well, you could have peeled him off the ceiling. He said, "Man, it was when you met with me at this table." Now, what's interesting was, I didn't take the credit myself. So many of the people today, you mm, know, good point. We'll share stories like, "Oh, God uses me, and God speaks to me," and it just turns the topic to us, right? I have found to minimize as much as I can me, but to lift up Jesus and his desire for the presence of God to heal, to restore. And that that's an example of, you know, I didn't walk up to him and say, thus saith the Lord, the Lord wants me to meet with you. I am to minister to you today and there is going to be a miracle in your life. Although I sensed that, I didn't say that. And another example I have is, a, I remember, a, I, I share this a lot because it's so clear, but I had a, a guy who was delivering something, a delivery van, and as he handed me the, 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 the sheet to sign, um, I just sensed this word coming up from my gut, and it was just suicide. Mm. This guy was long hair, I mean, tattoos, mad, angry, sullen, you could just see it on him. And thank you, he was a biker too, I found out later. And so I didn't know what to say because in my experience in the denomination I grew up with, you would always give someone a word. If you felt you should give them the word, it would always say, Fuss saith the Lord unto thee. And it would be Elizabethan and it would come out of the Bible. And, and you know, the attention would really be on you as you, the amazing man of God, delivered a word to this poor <laughs> person. So I just stopped doing that when I was in the, in the, as a paramedic. And instead I looked at him and I said, man, don't do it. He said, what the beep beep you talking about? And he was, you know, and I said, don't kill yourself. And he was just stunned. He looked around to see if anybody was listening. And he said, how did you know? Wow. And I could have said right there, well, the Lord speaks to me. Again, it would be about making myself look. But instead I said, man, I don't know exactly how all this works, but if it's true, God must really value you if he showed me something. Let's grab dinner. And I found out that he was going to, he said, "I'm man, I was going to off myself right after this call. Wow. Killing himself after that call. I believe that Christians are living so far below where we could be if we mm. become sensitive to Holy Spirit. And just, and, and in order, and you ask the question, in order to sense him, I've never had him speak to me in an audible voice. I've never had a dream or a vision to guide me. I've always got a sense inside, go talk to that person, go pray with that person. Um, in board meetings, when we're dealing on pieces of property, because we know we've got about eight locations of properties and, 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 and it's very critical sometimes. We needed a 50 acre piece of property one time and the land developer wouldn't sell it to us. So we're in this boardroom, we're talking back and forth, and this 80-year-old man looks at me and laughs. He says, son, I develop land. I'm not selling you that piece of property. He said, you know, and it was just kind of done. So we took a coffee break, and everyone left to grab a cup of coffee and get a bathroom break. And I just sensed in my gut, don't move. Stay at the board table. So I just sat there, and as the room cleared, this 80-year-old man, he hadn't moved either. And uh, so I looked at him, and I got up and kind of walked around the boardroom, and I saw a picture of a man on a horse. And I said, who's this? He said, oh, that's my great, great, you know, granddad. And he came to Canada for religious freedom. He was a pastor, and I forget the denomination. And, and uh, I said, really? And 
he goes, yeah. And he started telling me the story of how because of him, his family now lives in incredible prosperity and freedom. And I just now I just sense God telling me to shut up. So I didn't say a word. I just stood there and listened to him. He shared the story of his family history. And all of a sudden he stopped. And he looked at me and he goes, I'll sell you the land. <laughs> we, wow. We wanted it for a church. That's direction from God. It wasn't spooky, crazy, weird. I didn't look and say, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt give us the land because your dad was a preacher. I mean, you know, it was just being nudged in a direction and obeying God. And even Paul would say things like, it just seemed good to me and the Holy Spirit to do this. Other times he'd take a course of action towards a, a certain city and he felt compelled to stop by the Holy Spirit and go in another direction. I think we need to just start moving and look for nudges. Well, I'm so glad you shared that, Leon, because I think so many people, you know, they're waiting for that voice or that vision or that dream. They really want some, like, almost like a blueprint or a roadmap laid out for what they should be doing. Yeah. And that, that you've made just this massive kingdom impact in the lives of so many people. And that hasn't been how the Holy spirit has operated in your life. And I, and I appreciate you sharing that because I think there's a lot of people that they kind of get stuck there And you know, so that almost kind of leads to another thing, you know, in this Western culture, and you just talked about, how ineffective the church and a lot of people in the Christian community have been. And do you, do you see any mindsets, how we think beliefs systems that we have developed that are maybe hindering, you know, almost, you know, being able to trust your gut to, to kind of sense the Holy spirit in in different situations. Yeah. You know, when you study the word, Oh, the word heart comes yeah. up all the time. You know, the Bible says that God is a heart God. He doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart. We have verses like guard your heart. Out of it flow the forces of life. Or Matthew 12, where it says that a good man brings forth good things from his heart. And so God began to deal with me on the heart. Now, the heart, as you study the word, seems to be the center of our our, our who we are. It's our identity. And when people believe that they're losers or that they'd struggle with shame and guilt from sins from the past, they don't understand the cross, um, your heart produces. So, example, I teach people that if you really believe that you're a loser, there's a dark cloud over you, that mm -hmm. you're smart, I said it affects everything you reach for. Every relationship that you have is affected by the deep beliefs of your own heart. The Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. It doesn't say in his head. Now, the emotions of our head come and go because of focus. If I focus on a problem, I get discouraged. If I focus on a past victory or on, on the promises of God to help get me through, I get encouraged. That's in the mind. But the heart is deep feelings of identity. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I, you know, this is as far as I'll ever go. I'm not smart enough. Um, and so I really teach people that if you want to change and break through the season that you're in to a higher season in your marriage, your finances, your company, your own self-worth, that you need to begin to take, allow Holy Spirit to teach you. The Bible says that Holy Spirit's job is to lead us into all truth and to show us 
things to come. Well, if we allow Holy Spirit to lead us in our heart into all truth, you know, the things that happened to you as a young man, whether you were ridiculed on the sports field or whether maybe you were abused uh, and touched improperly as a young lady, um, these things leave dark um, beliefs deep inside of us that affect our marriages, our sex lives, our ability to even create income. Holy Spirit's job isn't just to teach us doctrine to our minds, but he begins to go in and set us free deep on the inside. And it's the word of God that does that. And so in our church, as I'm teaching people, and because they're all business people and politicians and doctors and lawyers and electricians and unemployed and drug addicts, I mean, they've got the whole, as I teach them the word, my goal is to approach it from the perspective of you're so wonderful Jesus died for you. You've been designed to ride upon the high places of the world, but everything you put your hand to will prosper. Jesus is in, just pleased with your success and with you making it. And all of a sudden, Father, the Father God begins to re-father people. You know, because fathers and moms are to, are to train up a child in the way they should go, but it's impossible for any of us to do the job perfectly. And so Father God re-fathers us into the beliefs that he has, the truths that he has. And Holy Spirit begins to teach them to our heart. Now that person rises up knowing they can go take that company to a, you know, $20 million place rather than just the five that's been so locked down. Mm -hmm. And new systems, it's not just new employees. It starts with the deep-seated beliefs of the heart. Well, and you said we need to allow Holy Spirit to start leading us into that new identity, that, that transformation of the heart. And, yeah. and what does it look like when somebody just you know, to start that process. I, I, I would guess there's a lot of people listening saying, you know, how do I, how do I do that? How do I start reshaping and changing this identity that's, that's been, that I've allowed to be created, at, you know, for so many years? Well, I've got kind of a hard answer because I believe that religion has turned people into trying to qualify ourselves by how we live our lives. And what I tell people is that Understand the word born again. Mm. Horse has a baby. It's called a colt, and it has the same nature of a horse. When a pig has a baby, it's called a piglet, and it has the same nature as a pig. So if you can clean that little pig up, put a ribbon in its hair, it's still going to run outside, and the first place it's going to hit is the mud. Um, everything on the planet um, bears children after its own nature. So when God, when Jesus was going to explain to us this process of believing on him, the word the Bible uses is born again. And it's the craziest word because, I mean, the one disciple says to Jesus, what, I got to come back out of my, my, my mother's womb? Mm -hmm. He was talking more about the nature. You know, you can't change the nature of a pig. It's never going to growl. It's never going to climb a tree. It's, it's never going to comb its hair. Uh, my monkey will. But it, it never will. So when he talks about giving Jesus Christ our lives, the old us dies and we are a new creation. Well, what does that new creation look like? Well, 
we're made in the likeness and the image of God. And so we must go back to the basics of the cross and recognize that although I had a great dad, his name was Cam Fontaine and my mom's name was Jackie Fontaine. And, you know, although I was born a human being on the planet, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I'm proud of my earthly father, but now my nature actually comes from God the Father. And when you realize that, <clears throat> you begin to simply believe that, wow, well, that, that, that means then, and it opens up a whole new world of possibilities that I'm not a Christian, I'm not a man trying to become something. I am simply being who I is. Ooh, that's powerful, Leon. You know, one of the best modern parables that I've I created to help people with this was, and I'll tell the story quickly, it was a story of an African farmer who found a little lion cub. And the, the, the mom and the other cubs had been all killed. And he grabbed this baby lion or this little cub and took it back to his home. And he had a poodle that just had pups. And crazy enough, the poodle, you know, was kind of taken as this little lion's mom. And he started thinking the poodle was his mom. So... You know, when the owner rolled up a newspaper and swatted the little poodle, the lion learned to be afraid of it. And he would, you know, and the poodle would go, yay, yay, yay. It would run away. And the lion learned to run away from the rolled up newspaper. It would eat dry dog food. You know, the pit bull next door would bark and the poodle would just run. The lion learned to run. But one day it's in the backyard and it, it hears the growl of a real lion out on the savanna hunting. And it's like his hair stands on end as deep calls to deep and the nature of that lion speaks to this lion stuck in a fence with a poodle as a mom eating alpo scared of pit bulls and rolled up newspapers now if that lion ever gets out to follow a real lion he will learn to hunt in packs to enjoy the taste of fresh you know deer he'll he'll learn to be unafraid of anything and He's never going to need to pray and say, oh, God, give me the teeth of a lion. Oh, God, give me the, the muscles of a lion. He's already equipped. He actually was born one. We just need to give him a renewing of the mind by letting him see others and know who he is. And if he ever makes it back to the yard and that owner rolls up a newspaper, he's going to lose his arm right to the elbow. <laughs> and when that barks, He's going to have a tasty snack. And so I tell Christians, we don't serve the poodle of Judah. We serve the lion of Judah. We've had an identity change. Wow, that is so powerful. Because not, not only is it spending that time with Holy Spirit and really understanding your nature, but I think finding other men and women in our life that have also just embraced that relationship that can reflect and mirror to us you know, what is, as you talked about, right? And that, that just gives us such encouragement to move into what we are created to be. Because, you know, I love that phrase, God don't make no junk, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And if we can just realize that we, that we were Christ's creation, we were perfectly created with, with no limitations for what God has us to do in this season in our life right now. And if we embrace that, concept you know what is in front of us is just it's glorious it's full of joy it's bright oh man you know if we could really understand to the business people the dads that are listening that god doesn't have a limit as to how much joy you can have in your marriage he doesn't have a limit as to how high you can take this company mm. 
product and sales. He doesn't have a limit on any of it. It actually is simply tied to the beliefs of our heart. And so if you can't seem to get systems or the right staff uh, or the right buildings or the right product, you just, you, you're doing all the work on the outside. Make sure you take a time in your daily devotions every day and allow Holy Spirit to remind you you're the son of a king, that you're made in the likeness and the image of God. That you are to literally loan to nations, the Bible says. People say, well, Leon, but those were written to the Jews. Well, I know, but Galatians 3 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, that the blessings of Abraham might be ours. So as you begin to recognize who you are, first of all, in your nature, then you begin to realize that there are benefits. There's an inheritance that is for us. My goal is to see men and women who believe, who are Christ followers, rise up with the presence of God on their lives to lead our biggest corporations, our, our, our presidents, our prime ministers. I don't believe in a wiped out pathetic church that's praying for Jesus to come back today and save us. I mean, I know Jesus is coming back, but in the meantime, I'm going to occupy till he comes and I'm going to believe God that we can, you know, the Bible says to disciple nations, that's going to take incredible leadership. If yes. we're going to disciple nations and feed the poor and raise up business and all, it's going to take men and women of world-class leadership. And that's where Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us with the external skills that we need, the gifts that we have, but also an understanding of the supernatural power of God. Because the disciples, they were pathetic. Well, you know, Jesus trained him for three years and they all left him at the first storm when he was going to die on the cross. Yep. I mean, I thought, God, Jesus, if you can't train men to be great leaders after three years, I'm going to quit right now. <laughs> then as I kept reading, I realized that once Jesus died, the, that Holy Spirit came and dwelt within them. Then they got up and preached and thousands came to know Jesus. They all gave their lives. Christians were hung on crosses as far as the eye could see, and we have no example of them recanting. What changed? Well, they knew about Jesus, they were taught by Jesus, but now they had his spirit on the inside of them. And so Holy Spirit is so important to me for business, for raising kids. He'll show you where your kid's drug stash is. He'll show you how to talk with them and lead them. He'll, he'll guide us in all these ways. It, Holy Spirit is the answer to a literally a, um, a weak, ineffective Christian population. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, right, one of the biggest leadership challenges all of us have as, you know, fathers and mothers, too, is is raising up this next generation with that relationship. And I think you, you just, you know, this last part as you talked about it, I was thinking about, you know, when you, we have in our life and we are modeling to our kids a relationship with with spirit, with Jesus, and it's showing up in our life in how we treat people, the results that we have, the joy that we have. Now what you're doing is you're creating something that, they that they're attracted to that they want to move toward versus it being something that's just religion on something we do as a family on Sunday because we have to. And, yes. I, and I think that sounds to me like that is really the key for us as parents for raising up that next generation in their faith is showing them and modeling to them by embracing everything you're talking about something yeah. in their life that they that you know they go you know what my mom and dad had something and i just don't have it and maybe there's something there 
And I need to talk to somebody or talk to dad, talk to mom about that. That is so true. You know, one of the chapters in the book, The Spirit Contemporary Life, is about spirit contemporary families. Mm. And you're never going to attract your kids to Jesus if church is a chore and volunteering is a chore and reading your Bible is a chore and praying is just a discipline you add to your life like so many have taught it. But when they see me reading the Bible, because I know it's going to help me with my neck, if they see me enjoying my time of prayer, if, if they see me just loving to go to church, even though it's imperfect and so are the people, literally they don't do what I say. They do what I do. Mm-hmm. And my parents, I would see the power of God in their everyday life. My mom, for example, I remember one of my brothers going through a rough spell and he started smoking dope. And uh, one day we're at the supper table and all of a sudden you could just see mom's eyes open up and she, you could see that, that she knew something. And she gets up, she walks into our basement where all of us guys had our bedrooms. I had four brothers. She walks right to the hiding place of his stash and reached in and grabbed it, pulled it out and flushed it. He was so upset. He says, you've been snooping through my stuff. And she goes, no, I was sitting at the table. And all of a sudden I knew there was something in my house that was hurting my boys. And God led me straight to it. Well, the hair stood up on our head because we knew that God was going to guide our parents. (laughs) And we saw so many examples of the Holy Spirit guiding and leading our parents through hard times and bringing Mm. Miracles, guiding them to, to raise us, knowing things they could never know on their own. That when kids see parents led by Holy Spirit, that know things by Holy Spirit, that in, you are going to be, I'm so in love with God, and it's my parents that paved the way. Mm. Oh, I love that. Now, as we wrap up, Leon, any, any just final thoughts for everybody who's been listening to this conversation? You know, Over the last 20 years or so, you know, we've learned to use this concept of living a spirit contemporary life, which means share the gospel in a spirit contemporary way, parent in a spirit contemporary way, do business in a spirit contemporary way. And we have found it so powerful that I I would just encourage him to get a hold of that book. And it is a, a life journey in there. It'll deal with business health. It'll deal with marriage. It'll deal with the steps of how to bring change to your life and to your own heart. Whatever we've touched on today, we kind of skimmed across the top. The book will will dive into it. And I encourage people that what somebody has learned over a lifetime, don't treat it so cheap that you think you can learn it in a, in a, you know, in a one hour interview. If it's touched you, dive in for the next month and let Holy Spirit take you on the same journey. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for today. This has just been powerful for me personally. Uh, this book is fantastic. Everybody, I would really encourage you to get this book, read this book. And, and how do people connect with you, Leon? The, the links to this book and your, your website, uh, your church are going to be on here on the uh, show notes for this episode. But how else can they connect to you? Well, the book will be, you know, Amazon or wherever Christian books are sold or Kindle. And then, but if you, I believe if you go to leonfontaine.com, that's my name.com. And that's F-O-N-T-A-I-N-E. Yes, leonfontaine.com. When you buy the book through us, they'll guide you. I believe they give a lot of free stuff out, whether it's courses on it or messages, video. I'm not sure what they're what they're giving out today, but I know they're always giving out free stuff. And so, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff you're going to get for free if you just do it through leonfontaine.com. 
Okay. So everybody, that'll be in the show notes for this post on eternalleadership.com. You can go there. It'll direct you right over to Leon's site. And Leon, thank you so much for your time today. This was a blessing. And if there's anything at all I can do to serve or support you and what you're doing in your mission, please don't hesitate to reach out. John, I sure will. And you have been such a blessing to me. This has been a great time together. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. By the way, if you're a regular listener to Eternal Leadership, could you give John and I a hand? Could you give us a rating and review on iTunes? It's how most people listen to podcasts and ratings and reviews help bump us up those charts. The higher we are, the more people that will stumble onto us. If you don't listen through iTunes, rate and review us on whatever platform you listen, or just share it with someone that you think could really benefit from our topics and guests. Thanks. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.